Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love. Love at first listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people... It gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Carol G. Juan Gabriel. Christina Aguilera. What do these three have in common? You mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? Facts, yes, all of the above are correct. But most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're on from 1 to 4 every day. After yeah. 4 o'clock, you can hear this thing on uh, the Johnny Kidd podcast. Johnny Kidd On Demand is the name of it on the iHeartRadio app, or you go to KFIAM640.com. No excuse not to hear us every day. No excuse. A reminder that the moist line is tomorrow. We're still collecting calls. Use the iHeartRadio app, the microphone icon, to leave a message. Call our good old moist line number, 1-877-MOIST-86, one Six six four seven eight eight six. And it looks like another success for Tracy Park, the West Side uh, councilwoman here in Los Angeles, replaced uh, Mike Bonin. Uh, she had uh, cleaned up a uh, large homeless encampment in uh, in Venice, and now uh, Culver Boulevard, the median in the Delray neighborhood. This was a uh, grassy median. Uh, uses a, a jogging trail, and there, there's homes on either side of the street, and in the middle you have the median, and you had all these uh, tents. That's I, a nice area. I driven by, I drove by that many times over the years, and thought, you know, that's a cool little, wide little median there. You can jog, walk, play, and we had a guy on. This is the Delray neighborhood of Los Angeles, so it's not Culver City; it's part of L.A. And he reached out to us. They had a Change.org petition sent to Tracy Park some time ago. And we brought him on the air to talk in detail about what it looked like there. And uh, 
We're going to continue to update because it was picked as one of the places under the Inside Safe program of Mayor Karen Bassetti to start cleaning up. And we're going to get an update on it. Hey, Tracy, how are you? Hey, guys, I'm doing well. How are you? Uh, we're good. All right. Tell us the story. Were you aware of this place when you were running for office or were you contacted about it uh, after you uh, were sworn in? You know, I was aware of it during my campaign, and I had actually spent um, quite a bit of time in that neighborhood meeting with, you know, residents and property owners that had a growing concern. So it was on my radar. Um, but after I was sworn in, we certainly heard from that community and understood what a priority it was for them. And I was very pleased to be able to partner successfully once again with Mayor Bass and bring her Inside Safe initiative to that area. And and uh, you got everybody to agree to go indoors or did some of them just disperse and go off into the wilds? So we were able to get 48 people to voluntarily agree that they were ready to come inside and those folks have all now been placed into interim housing where they're getting services. Um, and I think there may be one individual left that we are continuing to do outreach and engagement with, and we have a place ready and waiting for him. See, it's one, it, it, one poor, there's one person left. One person. Huh? What does he want? <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess you can live with one person. Are they going to motels? Where are they going? So, you know, a lot of these folks are, in fact, going into motels. Um, that is the, the primary resource that we have available at the scale that we need. Uh, we do have other options for folks, and we are supplementing the motel program with that as needed. Now, uh, going back to your first cleanup, that was around the bridge home in Venice, in correct? Venice, yeah. Yes. Now, have, has the city been able to keep... Uh, the vagrants from returning to that neighborhood? Because that's always the next big fear once you remove the original encampment that after a few weeks they're going to start filtering back in. That area remains completely clear and free of encampments. So when, when a tent pops up, what happens now? Like what if a tent pops up on uh, Culver uh, Boulevard here in the median? Somebody calls up and says, so hey, this guy came back. Yeah, so, so what we are going to do is we have been working closely with the neighbors uh, before the process, during the process, and we will continue that going forward. And if and when we receive information about repopulation in that area, we are going to immediately deploy resources and services so that we can stay ahead of this. Are you surprised that you've been able to pull off these two cleanups? Because I can tell you, you know, we have talked for a lot of years and to many people involved in this industry and people, residents and reporters. And a lot of people made it sound like it's just too difficult. And yet you've been able to take care of two fairly large encampments and everybody said, oh yeah, sure, we'll go inside. I mean, it didn't happen in a day necessarily, but it was. it seemed to me relatively quick. Is it easier than you thought it was gonna be once you get a hold of them and explain their options? Well, so let me preface this by saying what we were suffering from here on the West Side for a lot of years was a lack of leadership. But no, this isn't easy at all. And, you know, just to give folks a sense of perspective, it takes our office and staff 
hundreds of hours of time preparing to roll these initiatives out, meeting with our service providers, our city partners, getting the effort ready to go and coordinated, lining up the resources, and then executing the plan. And so, um, you know, this is something where I was elected on a promise to address this crisis with the compassionate urgency that was necessary. And I came into this position determined to see that promise through. And I have got to also thank and acknowledge the mayor and her team for their leadership and determination to get this work done. And I am incredibly grateful that they have been willing to partner with me and with CD11 to bring the resources we need to actually see this happen. Well, what's next? Because the question I have for you, I don't want to put you on the spot, but what about that Bologna wetlands with all those RVs? So it's a good question. And a lot of folks have inquired about that. We are certainly well aware of it. I think, you know, you guys and I talked about that back at the beginning of my campaign. So we are working on a citywide set of protocols as it relates to the RV encampments. And it is something that we are actively planning for and compiling resources. And we are um, hoping to be able to start the process of addressing that issue in the near future. I don't have a specific timeline that I can share yet. Well, I imagine you've got a lot of projects still to work on all over the West Side. You must be getting inundated with calls and emails and requests. We are, and we are being responsive, and we are let, trying to let everybody know that we are here to help. We are here to serve. Uh, we are out around the district every day. And you're right. We have a lot of problems in a lot of locations and a lot of big challenges. But I am confident that I have assembled the best team in the city. We have hit the ground running and we are just barely getting started. What, what kind of timeline do you think that your council district will look significantly different with the homeless problem? You think a year from now or how long do you think? I think it already looks significantly different, if I'm oh, being okay. honest. And, you know, the feedback that we've been getting already is that people are noticing the difference. They're feeling it. Um, you know, I have got folks that are out walking around in Venice Beach that, you know, are texting messages of gratitude that, you know, they're already feeling safer and are happy to be able to take their families out and enjoy our amenities. You know, it's really hard to put an exact timeline on this, we have an immense crisis in this city, and it is going to take a tremendous amount of resources to deal with it just in the short term. But frankly, we are looking at still years ahead when it comes to getting the long-term affordable and permanent supportive housing resources online that we're gonna need to end this problem once and for all. All right, Tracy, All right. always good to talk with you. Thanks for, com thanks for coming on again. Good work. You're welcome anytime. Have a great All day. Right. All right, City Councilwoman Tracy Park replaced Mike Bonin, John's Council District, and uh, another encampment has been dismantled. This was in the Delray neighborhood of Los Angeles. This horror on Culver Boulevard, the median there, which we talked to uh, a resident about. The Change.org petition was uh, put out, and she says that they have 48 people cleared from the encampment in some sort of hotel space. One guy left. <laughs> One guy. I'll, I'll go get him. You should go talk to him. Uh, your chance for money's next with the keyword. Johnny Ken KFI AM 640 live everywhere. The iHeartRadio app. You can stay in my bomb shelter.
Listen to KFI. There's a winning keyword every weekday from 6 a.m. with Handel all the way to 6 p.m. with Tim Conway. And next chance to win next hour at 320. It's 1000 bucks. You could buy yourself a, a new tent and uh, bicycles. No, you don't be buying tents for encampments. <laughs> we just got done talking to Tracy Park. And so for our, you know, our vagrant population can enter as well. Uh, I was reading that uh, the people that they uh, got off of the median in the Delray neighborhood of Los Angeles on Culver Boulevard were sent to a motel room and they were given a refrigerator, a microwave, and yes, a hygiene kit. A hygiene uh, kit. Yeah. What do you mean a given a refrigerator? Kit. They're giving them little refrigerators and a little, uh, yeah, a little microwave so that they can. Uh, oh, as they're, as they're taken over to the uh, motel? Yeah, because some motel rooms don't have those things. Oh, so I see. They're trying to give them a little space where they can all have right, set then, up for uh, a All right. Uh, no complaints, okay? Uh, you want a free microwave, a free refrigerator, and a hygiene kit. I mean, that's like a, that's a pretty good game show prize package there. Well, here's something we don't talk about often. The permanent supportive housing business because oh. allegedly <laughs> allegedly these folks in these motel rooms will, will will somewhere down the road be moved into quote what they call permanent supportive housing it's also part of the homeless industrial complex we're going to talk about something called skid row housing trust it's a business that's been around a nonprofit for over 30 years and they specialize in finding people what you might call permanent supportive housing they run a bunch of buildings 29 of them well the update is they're on the brink of financial collapse their ceo she's interim joanne cordero is trying to assure the employees that they can make it through because maybe some philanthropic and housing organizations will the give them some money but the charity the needs charity yeah, yes exactly right <laughs> they're considered one of the pioneers in supportive housing on skid row with these buildings that they run but when you skim through this story you find out part of the problem um okay here it is keeping the buildings in good condition and assuring residents had habitable units can be difficult and costly cordero said you get residents who have some kind of a meltdown they destroy their unit and then we figure out how to get them the services they need and they come back and they destroy the new unit that they just got into and then they destroy the third unit <laughs> I'm surprised she said this because what's well, the truth? You know, if you're playing this up as a success, you're saying, "All right, we got well, them in permanent supportive housing, and and now they're getting the help they need, and they're getting their lives back together." But she's saying, "Well, well no, some of them destroy the unit over and over again, and it costs us to repair it because these are crazy people. One of the major costs they have that is sinking their company is they need to constantly reconstruct the units that they give to these lunatics. Yeah. I mean, when you've been given three permanent units." And you've destroyed all three of them. And, and by the way, they get a chunk of their money they do from our money. taxes. Right, right. From, one, from, of the, one of the propositions, the yeah. HHH. The HHH, okay. right. So think about this. They taxed us. We voted on this, all right? We collectively said yes to over a billion dollars to build housing. They build the housing. And then these insane vagrants go in and destroy the place. Then they get another shot. Then they get another shot. They destroy all three units. Yeah, this is how she described it as maintenance needs outstripped revenue. Hundreds of units remain in uninhabitable condition. Okay. After tenants left, creating a vicious cycle of declining rates, okay. the building occupancy is down to 78%. Why, why didn't we know about this years ago? Before, oh, that's a fascinating before, story. Yeah, yeah, before we paid the billion dollars, is that there's hundreds of times 
these lunatics that we're supposed to feel compassion for are our brothers and sisters are just violent psychotics who are destroying <laughs> everything in sight. Maybe it's a minority of the tenants, no? Or is that what they're trying to say? We do get through to some people, but yeah, well, some may- people destroy the place three may- times over. May- may- Why would you give a second and third one? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I would... I was surprised that the CEO said this because you would think they well, always put could a good spin on this, she, right? She, well, because she's going All out of business. All the work we're doing, it's sad that we're on the financial well, okay. brink. Because this is embarrassing, right? They've gotten millions and millions of tax dollars, and they're going out of business, and everyone's saying, well, why? And finally, you have to explain why. Because they're <laughs> constantly... rebuild the unit every time. Right. Why else would you be going out of business? There's no other reason. Uh, I shouldn't laugh, but uh, this is what we're faced with. And you would think permanent housing, supported permanent housing, means these people have moved from the shelter and the motel, and they're in a mature, they're in a more mature place now, and no. we can put them somewhere where they might be able to get their lives back together. But it's, it's all, apparently, some percentage of them are just ripping up the the, the units. Yes, it's all ho- horse crap. None of this rehabilitation stuff works. They're psychos. They're drug addicts. <laughs> A lot of drug addicts, most drug addicts never recover. They never get off the stuff. Most psychotics never become normal. It's a permanent permanent state. Why do you think they're out in the streets to begin with? Why do you think the family has given up on them? When so, you're out on the street by yourself, all your family, all your friends have given up on you. Um, they, they've reached out to, oh, remember PATH, John? People assisting the homeless? Oh, yeah. Their CEO, they've reached out to them to see if they're interested in buying the properties. And the CEO, Jennifer Hark-Deet, said, I don't want to get into this similar situation, right? Because maybe the revenue is not able to meet the needs of the building. The That's needs- another disguised way of saying it. <laughs> the if needs they're tearing of the, up the rooms over and over again. <laughs> well, can you imagine? How long could you afford your house if you went around destroying all the rooms in it? And then you'd call a construction crew to fix it. And then the next day you went out and destroyed it all over again. How long, how long would you afford the house? So... They're looking for bailouts from rich people or rich organizations yeah. or for some of these other uh, homeless industrial complex nonprofits to come in no and bailout. take some of the buildings. So it's, 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 a, it's a foolish business. It's ridiculous <laughs> business. And they all know it, too. So the thing is, this, these CEOs, they all get paid anyway. So it doesn't really they, – they've known this has been going on for, for years and years, right? They know a lot of this money is wasted, all these donations, all the tax money. It's wasted. But they paid themselves six-figure salaries, so it's like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm cashing the checks, right? I know this doesn't work. I'm cashing the checks until the day came where they're bankrupt. Now they're telling the truth. Now they tell us that the homeless destroy the place. All right, when we come back, there's been a twist in the public defender from Orange County who was found dead outside a Mexican beach resort where the Mexican officials say uh, he fell off a balcony at the hotel. Did he fall? His wife doesn't believe that. She's been doing interviews, and there's a new story associated with what happened to the couple during this trip to Mexico to celebrate an anniversary of their wedding. John and Ken, KFI AM 640, live everywhere, the iHeartRadio app. Yeah, the moist line is returning tomorrow, so you got a little more time to get a message in. Use the iHeartRadio app. Use the microphone icon there or call the toll-free number 1-877-MOIST-86, 1-877-664-7886. The answer is four, John Cobelt, four. Uh, Google picks for Burt Bacharach. Yeah. He was 94. Yeah, so that's only only one point. I met him once. 
Did you really? Yes. What he, a songbook he was a part of. Uh, yeah, incredible number of hits. Hits, incredible number. Uh, especially in the 60s and 70s. 70s, Just, yeah. Uh, no, he was um, he was a, a dad at uh, our school. Wow. He had several wives. And uh, he had. I was going to say because you're not exactly the same age. So, no, yeah. he had. I well, had a much younger wife. And he, had, he had somebody and, uh, your kid's age. I, th- a- I, I think. Yeah, I think there was a kid in one of my son's classes, and he had a party. Oh. I think it was at at his house in the backyard, and oh, I talked to him for a little bit. Bert Bacharach's backyard. Yeah, and what what struck me even even then he was probably eighty years old, but I remember seeing him from the back, and he was just so. Slim, that, that, that he 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 came across much younger than he was. Right, you know, because he was really in great shape. He was very slim. He was just very casually in a, a pair of jeans and a shirt. And only until you went up close, you know, and you realize, oh my God, this guy's eighty. But it it was a lot of energy, mm-hmm. a lot of life, fully uh, fully involved. Yeah, so and really I mean, great music career. Yeah, there are very few people that had uh, more hits that. Melodies. He would write the melodies to all the hit songs. A lot of oh, them. Dion Warwick. Yeah. 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 His partner, uh, Hal David, wrote Hal most David, of the, that's it. That's mo- most of the, the lyrics. lyrics. Yeah. Okay. A lot of Dion Warwick songs. B.J. Thomas. Uh, he two Academy Awards. Yeah. Yeah. No, he was. Uh, he was something else in music. Now we're going to update you on a story we did talk about a couple of weeks ago, but there's been a new twist, and the wife in the story has made an appearance on Good Morning America to talk about it because she's trying to draw attention. To what happened to her husband? These are a couple of public defenders from Orange County. Elliot Blair and his wife went to Mexico to celebrate their first wedding anniversary. He didn't make it home alive. In fact, he was found on the ground. This is January 14th. Uh, apparently uh, had fallen from the third story at Las Rocas Resort and Spa in Rosarito Beach. This is one in the morning. He's in underwear, socks, and a T-shirt beneath the open-air walkway. The Mexican official said, sorry, it appears that your husband fell. That was their explanation for what happened. The wife is not accepting that answer. And then there were some problems dealing with getting the body, and apparently Mexican officials wanted to cremate it. Immediately, mm, that, yeah. <laughs> that's a bad sign. There, that's, that's right. somebody wanted to cover up evidence, right? So, it, Kimberly Williams is the wife, and um, she is quite certain that her husband was a victim of some kind of brutal crime. And just to make it clear, she was not a suspect. I did finally find out because I'm thinking, well, if you were staying in the hotel together, and he ends up somehow outside in the walkway and then goes off the railing. In his underwear. have known he wasn't there. She said she got a knock at the hotel room door saying, uh, we think your boyfriend fell from the uh, from the balcony outside here. And that's how she found out about her husband's uh, death. Uh, the twist in a new update is that apparently when they were on their way back to the hotel from a night out celebrating their wedding anniversary, they were stopped by two police officers. This is only an hour and a half to two hours before Blair was found dead. They rolled through a stop sign while driving back from the restaurant to the hotel. They didn't have the unidentified sum demanded by police, but they gave 160 bucks and they were let go. But the police asked them, where are you staying? Nah. 
Could that be a clue that they came back for more money? So the cops knew that they were staying at this uh, particular hotel. Yes. And so uh, did they come to the hotel asking for more money? And when he refused, did they beat him up and throw him over the side? That's the question. Yeah, because I, I, I don't have, we don't know what the balcony was like. I mean, it's hard to fall off a balcony unless you're doing something really stupid. You'd have I'm to hoist yourself. I'm guessing it's not a balcony for their room. It was a balcony in like a common area outside the door, an open right. air balcony area walkway. Yeah, at the end of the uh, at the end of the walkway down the hallway. Now, uh, apparently, Blair's wife told police he left his hotel room on the night of his death to shoo away noisy pigeons, but his family disputes the pigeon story, saying Williams had instead remarked to investigators that Blair commented during the day about pigeons in the hallway ceiling. Uh, how come the, see, the police comments don't add up with what she says happened? I don't know, but, you know, there's corruption and crime in Mexico. You got to be careful when you go to some of the resorts and you travel to some of these places. Yeah, you got to bring shakedown money, bribe money with you. Because that's what the they, police... they told the two police, the police officers that they were lawyers. You would think that would have them pull back from getting involved with lawyers, right? Yeah, they just want money. Yeah, I don't know. So they're trying to say he was drunk and he fell. Um, the family was told his body was embalmed at the behest of Mexican prosecutors, not allowing blood to be drawn for an independent toxicology report. So that's another strange twist to the story. Now, they've done a private autopsy. Right. And uh, uh, Elliot Blair, uh, well, that's the name of the name of the victim. Yeah. And, Kimberly uh, Williams is the wife. Right, right. So the, the family for Elliot Blair, the attorney for Elliot Blair, Case Barnett, said the autopsy confirms that he was murdered that night. And the evidence suggests that he may have been attacked by more than one man. Yeah, there so, was something that he may have been beaten about the head. There was... Uh, so, I mean, I mean, this is in line with her suspicions... And also the discrepancies between her story and the authorities. And remember, you're dealing with a situation where the authorities originally shook down this couple for $160, and they wanted more than that. Right. And they knew of their location at the hotel. Right. So it's it's certainly really suspicious. And they wanted they embalmed the body without permission, and then they wanted to cremate the body. Without permission, I'm. I that all this uh, stinks. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, she says she got a knock at the hotel room door, and a security guard said, "Excuse me, is that your boyfriend down here?" I turned to the side. I didn't see him there, so I ran out the front door, and they're pointing over the side of our front door to the ground, and that was my Elliot down there. That's a nice way to break the news. Wow. Yeah, I mean this. Uh, this is all highly suspicious. Of course, good luck getting an investigation to sort this out. Yeah, you're right. You're not dealing with the American justice system, which isn't the best. Which anyway, isn't very but, good either. Right. But in a foreign country, particularly Mexico, with all of its other problems, your chances of getting the answers that you want. They're hiring a private investigator, you know, who'll go down there and interview people and check out the scene. But I, it's going to be hard to find something really damning unless, you know, somebody confesses or somebody saw something and tells you something. Yeah. The wife said he likely consumed five or six drinks over six hours. She thinks he could not have been so drunk to fall over the balcony by accident. So the story they're trying to tell is that he got annoyed by the pigeons once again, and he ran out there to shoo them away, and he just, because he was so drunk, he just went 
off the balcony. Yeah, that sounds preposterous. No, no. <laughs> you're with you're with your wife on your anniversary night. I don't think you're worrying about the pigeons. I, I know that's, yeah, that's what the hotel was trying to convince that's, that's people. Kind of, of and, and and six drinks over six hours is not debilitating. And you know the truth is Mexico doesn't want stories like these to get play in the U.S. because they don't like the idea that there's a belief that you could be a victim of crime if you go there as a tourist. So this could be another way of trying to tamp down on the chances of this story becoming uh, what it's becoming, because now she goes on Good Morning America, blaring all this out. That was probably the advice. Make a big stink yeah. over this. Yeah. Right. Make a big story. All right, more coming up. Johnny Ken, KFI AM 640, live everywhere, the iHeartRadio app. Well, we'll be talking again about a big story here locally for restaurant owners in Los Angeles, the Alfresco dining program, which allows them to set up outdoor dining. It became big during the pandemic as a way around the indoor dining problems until, of course, they dope, the dopes banned outdoor dining, too. But it came back quickly after that. Well, the problem is the city of L.A. is drafting rules where you have to start over with the permitting process. It's incredibly It's going to cost them tens of thousands of dollars yeah. to keep the restaurants open serving outdoors. Why? Just let them it's, stay the way it is. It is like a shakedown. Why do you have right? to charge them thousands of dollars just to keep the status quo? Because we need money for the homeless. <laughs> yeah, so that the homeless can then destroy the uh, apartments. That are Not enough with all the parking fees we collect, Matt. We want to collect from the poor restaurant owners and make them start over again with permitting. LA City all the government. Bureaucracy for outdoor dining. LA City government, it's organized crime, is what it is. It really is organized crime from the council people to, 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 to the bureaucracies. Un, it's just incredible how much money they shake down. All right, so we'll have a guest on after three o'clock who knows a lot more about this. And I heard there's talk to allow those who already got the permits during the pandemic to be grandfathered in and not have to start this whole crazy process over. There was some sort of public meeting last night, and a lot of people voiced their anger I hope so, because this is just intolerable. Wrong. It's wrong. It's absolutely wrong. It's theft. Now it's we're a criminal talk about operation. One, one of my favorite stories, and, you know, people smuggle in drugs. They smuggle in people from south of the border. But this is a new one. Is that an egg in your pants? Are you just happy to see me? Apparently, there's been a, been a big increase in people smuggling in eggs from Mexico. <laughs> egg seizures are way up at the border. Egg seizures? Now, you what? have a choice. You can either declare the eggs or you have to declare you know, products you have, uh, food products. You have to declare the eggs you have hidden in my pants. And, but then they confiscate them and then they just destroy them. Uh -huh. In a small number of cases, people don't declare them and they find them during the inspection. But you can mm. face a fine if that turns out to be the case. So you take your chances. Uh, there have been, well, let's put it this way. A carton of eggs a year ago, $2.35. Mm. It jumped to seven thirty-seven. Now it's down to about $5.74. But that's still a lot. They're blaming it on the avian flu problem. Well, and yeah, by they, the way, that's they, the reason they want you bringing in eggs from Mexico, because there could be other strains of the avian flu coming in with your eggs. That... Well, I think they killed 15 million chickens. They did kill a lot of chickens. Deborah Moore cried for every I one did. of them. I did. But part of the reason, eggs By cost the way, a lot more. By the way, in Tijuana, more. dozen eggs, $2.30.
that's why people are going there and trying to smuggle the eggs in. Really? You can't find something else to eat besides eggs? I mean, oh, come on. You're going to make this smuggle speech? Them? I mean, well, come on, Ken. Eggs are d- d- nutritious. Yeah, I know. Protein. But to smuggle them? Give me a break. Figure out something else. You know, there's I love a lot egg of... whites. When, when a guy wants an omelet, you know. You... Egg whites, Ken. There are so many different egg replacements out there. You won't be able to tell <gasps> the difference. Egg your replacement. Well, yes. I you won't be able to. If you want egg whites to put in your smoothie, I think go... <laughs> Go to the market and you'll you'll find cartons yeah, I of make egg smoothies whites. every day. <laughs> Replacements, mm. whatever right. you make. Right. I usually have egg white scrambles and stuff. I put like Seriously, turkey in there. Yeah. You can try. I mean, turkey I don't and eggs. I well, you people yeah. are nuts. Oh, ground turkey's good. I don't, I'm not talking turkey. about our turkey slices. Ground, ground turkey is good with eggs. Yeah, is it? And a little spinach in there. Oh. It's good. What? <laughs> Oh, <laughs> oh for three. It's one of my favorite dishes. You it's do not the... eat ground turkey with eggs and spinach. I do. I do love you it. Really? Oh, it's one of my favorite dishes. Uh, do you put it in a tortilla then? Make a little You get the sandwich? protein, you get the iron. I, I, I don't I don't understand you anymore. No, I don't put it in a tortilla. I don't that, I mean I could see I mean I, I don't like the, the turkey or the, the well, eggs, but I could see that that would be a nice little wrap. Part of the egg price problem is California's cage free law. Ah yes, that brings because us to this topic. Eggs <laughs> in the Midwest go for three dollars and five cents. And right now in California, it's five sixty-two. Right. But uh, do you remember we passed the Proposition Twelve mm-hmm. about the right the cage-free hens? Yeah. And so, that has caused egg prices for Californians to go up because it's it's now too expensive to raise chickens by Aww. giving them uh, an acre, maker of landy. Well, that that's that that's a dumb law because I really don't care if the chickens are all well, huddled that, up together. Well, you should care. How would you like to be huddled up with other humans in in a little cage? I wouldn't be, but I don't have to worry about that because I've got a chicken. <laughs> that's their tough luck. It's mean, and I'm glad that we passed that. They, well, Deborah Mark will be glad to know nine other states have enacted laws similar. Good. So they haven't Deb, taken effect yet, though. Deborah's willing to pay the extra two fifty on your egg. Oh, home. if I ate eggs or for my family, absolutely. Right. 100%. So just send your Ralph's bill to Deborah Mark, Tara KFI, and then she will make up the difference <laughs> no, for all the eggs you bought. No, I didn't say that, but there are plenty of other things that you can eat. You don't have to go and smuggle in eggs for crying out loud. We Try an a, avocado. I like that. The list of Deborah approved foods. <laughs> here's well, here's all the substitutes you can eat because yeah. I disagree. I'm just well, giving just, you alternatives. It used to be with John's hamburger, you were pushing for, well, if you're going to slaughter them, slaughter them humanely. But now you've taken us to the level now where we don't slaughter them. We just take their eggs, but we got to make sure they have enough room in yeah. the cage. Well, they I have, don't think you should slaughter them to begin with, but. They have to have their own permanent housing. Yes. Now. <laughs> yeah. Their own one-bedroom apartments. I'd imagine if you're a good egg-laying hen, you get to live a while, right? So they can get a lot of eggs out of you. Yeah, probably. And then yeah. you might be too old to be yeah. slaughtered for and chicken food. Yeah. Now, supermarkets have run out often of white eggs, which are less oh, expensive yeah. than brown. Now, the what's scary a, brown egg. What is the difference between a white and brown egg? Because my my grocery store is often out of white eggs, or they have very few, but they have lots of brown eggs. And I never understood the difference. <laughs> I don't either. Hang on, I'm going to Google that. You don't know? Yeah. I, I don't actually know. I you know just want to bad eggs. You know? First time I saw them, oh. I was like, huh. Okay, the eggshell color depends on the breed of the hen. Oh, the breed of the hen. Yeah. Generally speaking, white shell eggs come from hens with white feathers, while brown shell eggs are produced by hens with brown feathers. But there's no other real difference, I no. suppose, huh? No. no. Yeah. Many uh, California egg farmers have shut down. Those in other states have decided the cost of complying with Prop 12 isn't worth it. So that's Good. that's another reason for egg shortages and high prices. 
And what happened to the bacon thing? Remember that problem too? Yeah, I think I the same thing with the pigs. They no. had to have more space no, in there. No, these animal nuts, animal activist nuts, mm. are depriving us of food now. Oh, please. There's more than enough. Again, you can live without bacon. You can live without eggs. Trust me, you'll survive. <laughs> That's your answer to everything is live without. Live without, yes. live without food. Yes. Have a smoothie. <laughs> Absolutely. You know all the things you can put in a smoothie. You can get so much more protein than friggin' eggs and bacon. All right, our guest next is Eddie Navarrete, executive director of the Independent Hospitality Coalition. They are an advocate and a support for independent restaurants. And the topic here is with the outdoor dining program, the city of L.A. is basically telling the restaurants they have to start over apply for new permits with new fees and new bureaucracy just to continue their outdoor dining. We'll get into it next. John and Ken, KFI, AM 640, live everywhere, the iHeartRadio app. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at, at First, first listen. listen. This season... We're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Carol G. Juan Gabriel. Christina Aguilera. What do these three have in common? You mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? facts, yes, all of the above are correct, but most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.